Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Saturday morning, folks, and that means time for one thing. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Tim Leonard bringing you up to the 10 o'clock hour, talking everything Syracuse football, everything Syracuse basketball. And, Tim, it's just nice, I think, to actually have a, a positive outlook on this football season <laughs> right now because usually Syracuse fans and people that cover Syracuse and things like that, they're just kind of like, oh, another slog of a football right. season's coming up. Let's go 5-7 and seven or 4-8 and eight and miss a bowl. But finally, after last year, there's actually some some fun in covering and getting ready for this 2019 football season. I'm so jacked up to talk about football, and that's crazy because usually this time of year, all we're talking about is, is this a bowl team? Can they finally get to a bowl the game? The dreaded bowl argument. That is, that's been the argument for the past. I think past. that's been put to bed. Four or five years, whatever, and maybe now hyperbole is becoming a thing when you factor in that yes. they go from four and eight to ten and three. Great season, we all know about it, and there's reason to be optimistic, but college football playoff talk is being thrown out all the sudden. That's ridiculous. Instead of bowl game, but we'll get into all that. Do people realize that, that, that Clemson is also in the ACC and uh, that Syracuse has to play them and, a, and all that? A team that Syracuse has played very well the past two years is Clemson. So obviously, I mean, we can't even make it two minutes and we're already talking about this Clemson game, which is the most hyped up game maybe in Syracuse football history at last, this point. At least last decade. Last yeah. decade to 20 years, there really hasn't been – that much positive to talk about really since like the very early 2000s when it was like Dwight right. Franey and they were winning 10 games. It's got to be was... the most hyped game of the 21st century I'd because say so. this is yeah. the most hyped season of that era for right. Syracuse football. And it's the biggest it game. It has to be. And it feels like they are throwing all their chips in that game, whether it's potentially college game day, homecoming, Tim Green retired jersey at halftime and there's Prime a lot time to ABC. There's Some a of lot it is, to take in that right. Game. Some of it is not they're doing, but it feels like that game is just getting bigger and bigger. But you know, when you look at the grand scheme of Syracuse football and their schedule, and and really when you look at their preseason poll rankings, they're right around the top twenty-five consensus based on basically wherever you look at this point. And there's reason to be optimistic because a lot of these guys are coming back from a ten and three season. Right. You you're losing. Two, you're probably your two best players from last year in Chris Slayton on defense and, of course, Eric Dungey on offense. But you slide guys in that had productive years last year right into those two positions. You slide a guy like Kenneth Ruff into D-tackle. You slide Tommy DeVito, the golden boy, into quarterback, into quarterback, and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like you lost very much, even though you did. The one thing I will say about that Clemson game, though, um, and I didn't really realize this until I was having a conversation with somebody else a couple of days ago, Syracuse has played Clemson very well the last two seasons. Right. They beat him in the Dome, and then they played him close in Death Valley last year. Neither time did Clemson have their number one starting quarterback the entire game. Yeah, it's the classic Syracuse thing, like the Duke basketball win. You right. don't have uh, Trey Jones because he goes right. down. Or Cam Reddish. Oh, Cam Reddish. Sorry, I mixed it up. Yeah, but, well, yeah. they didn't have either, really, because oh, Trey right. Jones got yeah. hurt. But I forgot about that. Two of the yeah. three. So, like, it, it's just – Let's. I'm really excited about this football season. There's <laughs> right. a lot to be optimistic about. There are good things happening for Dino Babers, but 
let's pump the brakes ever so slightly on, oh, yeah, Clemson, that's going to be a close game, blah, 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 blah. We're three years removed from them getting beat 59-7 to in Death Valley. Like, let's let's. I don't think they got seven in that game, did they? I don't know. It was bad. It was a lot to a little. Whatever it was. Whatever the the score was, it it wasn't pretty. But, yeah, like you said, the the, uh, polls right now, the preseason polls, a lot have Syracuse right in that top 25 somewhere, really in that 19 to 25 range, which is probably – where they deserve to be. They had a good season. They finished in, what, the top 15, top 20 at the end of Somewhere the year this there, yeah. year. Uh, and you lose the pieces, like we said. But, you know, there are some outlets that are still not super high on them. Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated, in their preseason rankings don't have them ranked. But most outlets, like you said, have them ranked in that 19 to 25 range. And really that's where you would like, you would like as a Syracuse fan or somebody covering the team to see Syracuse ranked because that's probably right around where they should be. Yeah, and you mentioned how a lot of it's going to come down to Tommy DeVito, obviously, and that's the most important position on the team, quarterback. He comes in, and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around this, but he has not started a game in a Syracuse career. We feel like we know a lot about him. He has not started a game and finished a game and played a full game, so the expectations have to be tempered a little bit just based on that alone. Now, that being said— And he said, had the up-and-down year at times last right. year. I mean, you talk about just how he played in that Notre Dame game, and I know that was kind of a fluke situation that was where— just the whole team being right. awful, just and, really bad. And it's not a great situation when you come in kind of middle of the game when your team's already down and struggling, you've lost a lot of momentum and this, that, and the rest of it. But, look, it's hard to—it's easy, I guess, to just assume Tommy DeVito is going to be that golden boy— He's going to be everything for Syracuse, but to play devil's advocate, there are a lot of programs and a lot of media outlets nationally that are probably saying, well, let's pump the brakes here. Let's see if Dino can win with his guys, with the guys that he recruited to play his offense. Let's not forget Dino came in, and yes, the first three years weren't that great, or first two years, excuse me, you make progress in year three, great amount of progress, leaps and bounds, and you're kind of ahead of schedule now, but that had a lot to do with having Eric Dungy, having the luxury of having that quarterback for Dino right when he comes in, a guy that already has sort of an identity for the team, he's a warrior, he's a great fearless leader, we know all about Eric Dungy, he's a lot to replace, and now you got to replace it with a young core of guys, which is great because... These guys could really blossom into stars in the next two or three years, but it's also a lot to prove here, and it's easy to just jump to conclusions and say, oh, Dino did it last year. He's going to do it this year with Tommy DeVito and the rest of these guys, but these are his guys now. It's not the guys that other coaches recruited. And it's still not all Dino's guys. Even the senior class, like the Sean Rileys of the world, uh, you know, the Kendall Coleman's of the world, are not Dino Baber's guys. They, they are Dino Babers guys now. I think Dino's pretty much convincingly won over the locker room and won over literally every yeah. single human being who lives in the general He's central New York area. He's a pretty fun guy, I'd right. say, that has a pretty good personality. And then the wins and uh, you know the, the success to back it all up. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to you know to see what they do because your offense looks a little bit different this year because Tommy DeVito, let's face it, is not the runner that Eric Dungy was. He's not the play creator that Eric Dungy was. He's got more arm talent than he does. He's a better thrower of the football than Eric Dungy was. But it's going to look different, you know. Are we still going to see as many screens this season? Probably. Are we still going to be? Able, you'd think, but. 
you know, get Tommy into a rhythm. But then you can take some more shots downfield because DeVito has a more accurate arm downfield. So are we going to see, you know, a Taj Harris or a Nikeem Johnson try to bust coverages over the top? Are they going to do a lot of slants like they did uh, with Eric Dungy, get it out quick? Can Tommy DeVito get it out quick? Can he read through those progressions? He showed it in, like, the North Carolina game. He was really, really good. He won them that game. But then in the Notre Dame game against the top three team in the country at the time and a team that made the college football playoff, he looked like a deer in the headlights. To be fair, (laughs) everybody looked like a deer in the headlights in that game. But to be a consistent top 15, top 20 team, you have got to be consistent game in, game out, week in, week out, play by play, drive by drive. That's what we need to see uh, from Tommy DeVito, and we need to see how Dino reacts to having more of a pocket passer um, than he had with Eric Dungy. He's done it in the past with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo at Eastern Illinois. There have been pocket passers that have been very successful with Dino Babers. It's just a matter of is Tommy DeVito going to be that guy? I have faith that he will be, but we'll have to wait and see. It's how much can Babers mold this offense to fit a different style and a quarterback now. And the other thing is, you know, we talk about this Clemson game, and everyone's talking about the Clemson game. That's the home opener week three. But you play your first two games on the road. And Syracuse was pretty good on the road last year. But, you know, under Dino Babers, it took them a while to kind of adjust to traveling their offense on the road, outdoor environments. And the second game in particular, obviously Liberty week one, you should win you'd that ho- game. You'd hope that's a <laughs> win hope. against, yeah. But the second game, you've got Maryland with the new head coach. They've got a quarterback, Josh Jackson, who's transferred over. They've got a good running game. And, you know, that Maryland faithful is going to be jacked up for that game. And that's a Maryland team that beat a Texas team that was really, right, really good last year. Early on in the season last and year. And Mike, Mike Loxley is a really good coach coming from Alabama. He's coming from the best program or the 1A, 1B with Clemson in the country. This is a good a good Terps team that's going to give Syracuse a run for its money. Well, just think of it from a Maryland perspective real quick. Let's take off the Syracuse lens and think if you're a Maryland football fan or if you're any part of that Maryland program, you've got a week two game with a new head coach trying to establish an identity in your place against a top 25 team coming in with a lot of hype. They're going to be jacked up for that game. And Syracuse, on the other hand, while they should be jacked up, and I'm sure Dino will get them ready, you still have that Week 3 matchup that everyone's talking about looming, and it creates that trap game potential with Clemson on the horizon. It's easy to look over Maryland, and it's going to be Tommy DeVito's second start in a road environment against a good football team. And look, I just don't see a world where there's not some sort of adversity with DeVito adjusting to this new role early on and it feels like we're just overlooking the trap potential of that game. Yeah, and I think I think we saw that adversity with Tommy in week one last year against Western Michigan. He comes yeah. in, they had a huge lead when he came in, and they got even a little bit bigger as he went on, but then things kind of started to unravel just a touch. Western Michigan made a small little run. Of course, they end up blowing him out. It doesn't really matter at the end, but you've got to see the consistency from Tommy DeVito, and I agree with you. This is your classic trap game. You know, I grew up as a huge Notre Dame fan, and Notre Dame is the king of trap games, <laughs> the absolute king. It'd be, the you know, the week before SC, the week before Stanford, and you'd see them play a team like Navy or Ball State or somebody right. awful, and they don't play well. at all phases of college football. I mean, everyone it's, is it's, a victim of it once in a while. Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's it's nerve wracking because you you you're sitting there watching as a fan and you're thinking, oh my God, they're going to lose to Liberty. They're going to lose to 
Maryland. You know, we saw it with Virginia Tech. They got beat by Old Dominion last year. Like, I don't want to say anybody can beat anybody, but anybody can beat anybody. Right. But the thing is, it's not even that big of an upset if Maryland were to win this game at home. Oh, no. It's It's not not. Old Dominion. It's not Liberty proportion. So, I'd say Syracuse would be maybe like a four-point favorite. Right, and I don't think everyone is penciling them in at 2-0, and but I think a good chunk of people are just saying, all right, Syracuse is going to be undefeated, Clemson's going to be undefeated, and this game is going to be huge. And I think regardless of if they win or lose to Maryland, it's still a big game. Right. It would probably be the most classic Syracuse football thing ever to lose to Maryland and then come back and, and beat Clemson and just get right back on track in the ACC. And keep but, in mind, if they're 1-1 one one going into that Clemson game, it's been announced it is primetime. Like, it's going to be yep. primetime pretty much no matter what. But if they're 1-1 one and one and Clemson's 2-0, and which Clemson is almost certainly going to be 2-0, and it doesn't matter who they've got on the schedule. But if, if Syracuse is 1-1, one and one, that lessens the possibility in my eyes of it being game day. It's not as marquee. I don't know yeah. what the rest of the week three schedule is looking like around the rest of college football, sure. but people are saying like right now this is the game day game. Like this is the way Syracuse is going to get game day on this campus. But you know, if Syracuse trips up against Maryland, a one and one Syracuse team versus a two and zero Clemson team is not as fun as two two and zero teams that are the best teams in the ACC. Uh, probably the two best teams in the ACC. Certainly the two best teams in their division. Right. I just don't see a world where Syracuse blows out Maryland week two with Tommy DeVito new to this role, you know, carrying all those expectations, just new pieces all over in the offensive line, new linebackers going against a good rushing team. And there's a lot of reasons to just overlook it because we just want to jump to Clemson and we're coming off this high of a 10 and three season and everything. And I hate to be the Debbie Downer. But it would not shock me if Maryland won this game. And it also, I don't think, would be that big of a deal as people would make it out to be if they did lose to Maryland. I'm sure people would be going nuts and raising pitchforks before the Clemson game. But at the end of the day, if you lose a non-conference game, that's fine because that Clemson game still carries tons of significance for the ACC and everything. And I think, too, even if they do lose against Maryland, Dino's got this team in a certain headspace where it's, all right, on to the next one. Yeah. Like It's no more sitting back and pouting like, hey, we've got the number one team in the country coming to the Dome next weekend. We did it once. Let's do it again. Let's put our losses behind us, and let's move on. I think that the culture change and stuff has been so much in a positive direction that now Syracuse isn't a powder, isn't a, isn't a, a team that looks back on a right. loss and says, okay, now our whole season's over. I think that culture change and that attitude change has been really important, and Dino Babers uh, you know, has brought that to this team, and it's going to be a really fun season uh, for Syracuse football. The recruiting wire is still wide open for the 2020 class. There's so much to talk about with recruiting as well. We'll have it all covered at orangefizz.net on our Facebook page as well and on our Twitter at orangefizz. We'll have you covered for football season throughout. It's going to be a great season. We're going to take one quick break and be right back. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. All right, welcome back. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Got you till 10 a.m. this morning, as we do every Saturday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. right here on the home of the Central New York sports fan. Tim Leonard here with you. No J.D. Rachi. We'll get back to him in a little bit, but we had to record this after the fact because we've got to spend some time here and talk about Woody Newton, 
who is the first commit of the 2020 Hoops class. Syracuse getting an early commitment from a power forward out of Baltimore, Maryland. If you missed that, it came earlier in the week, actually on his mother's birthday, Woody Noon's mother's birthday. He announced his college decision, something he's been planning for a couple years. According to Syracuse.com, they did a nice job writing about that, a cool story if you haven't seen that. I believe it was Mike Waters who wrote another really solid article. Check that out if you haven't already. But Newton, a 6-8-190 power forward, top 100 guy, according to 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com, not ranked in the ESPN 100, although it is early in the process right now. But 79th on 24-7 Sports and even a little bit higher on Rivals.com. They have him at 73rd. So that's, you know, right around that range where Matt Moyer was, where Tyler Lydon was when he was being recruited by Syracuse, even Torian Thompson, a late ad. So he's a forward in that mix. And the thing that jumps out about his game is his defense. He is a dominant defender for his age. As we mentioned, 6'8", 190, that's a great frame for the 2-3 zone. But this is a guy who is going to be able to come in and make an impact defensively right out of the gate as a freshman. Now, his offensive game needs some polishing up, but he's athletic, he's quick, and that makes for a very versatile defender. He has that type of game that can guard someone on the perimeter, stay with a point guard or a shooting guard, but also he's long enough at 6'8", even some sites measuring him at 6'9", to affect shots at the rim and be that shot distributor. So I liken his game a little bit to a Jeremy Grant. Now that's probably a little bit bullish to make that comparison, but don't forget Jeremy Grant's stat line in his freshman year, nothing too special. He averaged right around 3.5 points per game. And I don't think Newton's going to make too much contribution right out of the gate. Now, it is early. He's still a junior, and he could progress. But offensively, I mean, it's going to take some time because his shooting lacks consistency. He needs to develop his post moves. And honestly, right now, playing for the AAU team, team takeover in that DMV area, pretty solid team. And that's actually sort of what drew Adrian Autry to him. He has a connection with the coaching staff there at team takeover. Again, this is a guy out of Baltimore, Maryland, not normally where Syracuse recruits from, but Newton's game was good enough when Adrian Autry went down there on a couple of visits. He was his main recruiter. And remember, this is life in the post-Mike Hopkins world for Syracuse. They are trying to prove that they're fine recruiting-wise. That's a guy who was their main recruiter for a while, went to Washington, and obviously has proven that he's a very solid recruiter based on what he's doing there, even out-recruiting Jim Beheim in a couple of different arenas. So Syracuse faring pretty well without him, with Adrian Autry on more trips and even Jim Beheim going on more trips. This is a 2020 class that is off to a good start, and this might be 50% of the 2020 class with his verbal commitment coming earlier in the week from Woody Newton, a Baltimore, Maryland power forward, because they got five guys last year and five guys that – Probably are going to stay. I mean, Quincy Garrier, Wes Brown, a Canadian scout, told us on this very show last week that he's probably one and done, and he thinks that he will go one and done. But that's one guy's opinion, and even if you do lose Garrier, you have no seniors on next year's roster. So there's a lot of room, or lack thereof room, really, and you're going to have to go pretty small and tight with this recruiting class, obviously. A lot of people are talking about Andre Jackson as the logical next guy. That's another forward kind of guard 
like for him at 6'6", a guy out of Albany that makes a lot of sense, and a lot of recruiting experts have him coming to Syracuse. You can check out orangefizz.net. We have tons of articles about Andre Jackson and his game, but sticking with Newton, his game is maybe a poor man's Jeremy Grant right now, and you're probably not going to see a ton from him in his freshman year in terms of making an impact offensively. But again, kind of like what we saw from the 2019 cycle with that class that I mentioned with five guys, this could be a four-year guy. And look at the teams like Villanova, North Carolina, the teams that are really winning national championships in this one-and-done era, and they have those four-year guys. They're not sticking to the high-class freshmen, and part of that's Syracuse's strategy is partially because they're not really getting those guys anymore. They had a Darius Baisley, but we all know what happened to him. So it's not the worst thing in the world to be getting guys in that 75 range like Noon is on 24-7 Sports, 79. Rivals.com has him as the 73rd best recruit in 2020. And now looking ahead, you get a defensive playmaker, and you're probably going to go even harder after Andre Jackson. There's a couple other guys, Noah Collier, that they're after in this cycle. But Andre Jackson makes a lot of logical sense as the next guy, and, and that might even be it for this 2020 cycle, which is fine because they're not really losing many people. You think about next year's team, maybe you lose a Jalen Carey, and that's maybe. I think Quincy Garrier is probably your best bet at going pro. Elijah Hughes is in that conversation if he takes a notch up next year. You could always get a transfer here or there, but overall – This does not have to be a deep 2020 class, and I think what Syracuse is looking for is that forward position, and they've now got one of them early on in the cycle, which is big. It's a big step in this 2020 class, and you're probably, again, looking at a two- or three-player class. So Woody Newton, a guy to keep an eye on. If he upgrades that offensive game, he could be a real playmaker in four years for Syracuse and will be an immediate impact defensively right out of the gates all right coming up next here on fizz radio if the ncaa football did bring back and partner up with ea sports and bring back that game what would syracuse football's individual player ratings be what would tommy devito be ranked what would andre schmidt be ranked andre cisco we'll play that game right after this break here on fizz radio All right, we're back on Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard, J.D. Rachi talking some football because Syracuse football is relevant for the first time in an offseason in a while. And we put out kind of a fun article on orangefizz.net this week. Obviously, there was the news that NCAA football franchise maybe is going to make a comeback with please, EA Sports. Please, 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 We're all please. rooting for that. And If you're I, not, I'm judging you. Yeah, I mean, who is it's it? It's the best game on the planet. It's it w- the best game it that's would ever be, been made. It would be great if it comes back. And who knows if it will. And obviously, if it does come back, it would be two, three years down the road at best. But... Just for fun, we magically said, all right, the NCAA football is coming back for this 2020 next year's edition. What would the Syracuse player individual ratings be for the 2020 season or 2019 season? But obviously they label it NCAA football 2020 to make it sound a little bit better and sell a little more. So 2020, it's from the future. Yeah, (laughs) so... I think so. I went through and did kind of a top 10 and then did most of the starters. If you'd like to read through the article, it's on orangefizz.net. 
And obviously the guy that has to lead the way here is Andre Smed. He is the best kicker in the country, won that award last year, and he's coming back and obviously I think would be the highest kicker in this hypothetical game. I don't well, yeah, think I think the you... other two kickers that were up for the Lou Groza Award both graduated because Cole Tracy, who was at LSU, was a grad transfer from D2 Assumption, shout out, Worcester Mass, shout out hometown, shout out Central Mass. I think there's a reason you're shouting that out. Yes, Cole Tracy, great, uh, great kicker, and then the other kid from uh, Wyoming, I'm pretty sure, was a senior too. So uh, Schmidt, I mean Schmidt, beat both of them. So right. he'd probably be ranked higher than either of them, unless he has a Roberto Aguayo first season in the NFL <laughs> kind of thing going on. He's the best kicker in yeah. the country. He should be should be rated pretty high. So. Obviously, in these NCAA football games, and it's been a while. I don't. What was the last one? I remember. I think 08. it was fourteen with Denard Robinson on I, the cover. I remember I had 08 because that was the Zabransky Boise State year. Yes, and that I was have an that awesome one. game. I have that one at home, and I play it sometimes. That was on the PS2. The first one I had though was uh, 05 with Reggie Bush on the cover. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great good one. game. Yeah, that was a great game. It SC makes you wonder, like, how dude. are they even allowed to put those guys on the cover if they're not getting paid? Because but... the NCAA, <laughs> because reasons. I guess that is a whole other tangent mu- that we will avoid yeah, at this that's, time. <laughs> uh, that's a lot. I think you can gather our opinion on that just based on that. But Andre Smith, I said, would be a 95. And I was just saying, like, based on what I remember, you can't really put a college football player much higher than that, especially a yeah, kicker or else they're, they're just a cheat code at that point. Just and hitting he it kind from of is. 90 yards. Yeah. That's so, the one thing. I'll be interested to see this season in terms of actual real-life Syracuse football, not in a video game. What is Andre Schmidt's range? Because he knocked down like 40 yarders consistently, and that's what you want from a kicker, especially a college kicker. Because you look at a program, I'm just going to kind of go right after them here. But Boston College has not had a quality no. college football kicker in actually, I don't think, ever There in are their a lot program. of programs that you're like, how can they not find a good kicker? Like, right. It's <laughs> very confusing. Like, the only guys that really stood out last year were the three that were the Lou Groser Award and then uh, Dicker the kicker from uh, – from Texas, who yeah. hit that hit the field goal against Oklahoma in the it's Red kind of River rivalry. Dying art, honestly, and Schmidt. I don't was... understand where like NFL teams find good kickers. I don't. I guess they don't anymore with uh, the carousels yeah. that are going on in the NFL. But and like... it's weird with Schmidt. He was a soccer player and didn't even start playing football until late. Talk about a late bloomer. But thirty for thirty four last year. I think it goes without saying why he would be the highest rated player. I had him at 95, then second highest is the other preseason All-American based on multiple outlets, Andre Sisco, the other Andre, who's coming back sophomore underrated year. Underrated that they both have the same name. Yeah. <laughs> we really never underrated. refer to it as the two Andres, but they're kind of the two cornerstones in terms of acquiring some preseason accolades and all that. Cisco, I said, would be an 89 rating. This is where it gets tough. because I think he might be a little bit lower just because he's a sophomore and he wasn't yeah. like super highly touted. If he was like a junior and had put together two like quality, like really quality seasons, I could see him being an 89. But because he's a sophomore, I'd probably put him more in like the 86, 87 range, right. which isn't that far off from an 89. But just to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Go so who would you have a little bit? Because I had him at 89 and then – I had Alton Robinson, 88, Sterling Hoffrichter, 88, Kendall Coleman, 87, Aaron Service, 86. Do you have any of those guys you think should be ranked second instead of Cisco? Uh, maybe Alton or Kendall. Other right. than that, like, I mean. Kendall's probably underrated the funny, the, 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 funniest, the funniest thing is that we're, we're saying two of the top four players on the on Syracuse in terms of ratings would be their, their two kicking guys, yes. the kicker and the punter, which just says a lot about this team and, like, Last year, the whole thing was like, 
this special teams is well special right like they're just good i said that in the article i said the more i did this the more you think wow this would like shatter record ratings on ncaa football in terms of the special teams unit because sean riley is the best punt returner specialist in the acc yeah I'd, i'd be interested to like go back into like that last ncaa 14 game and look back and see who like was the best punter and like see what their rating was and see how dominant they were because also nobody punts when they play that game or yeah. when they play Madden. It doesn't really matter in, in a video game, right? But just for you know, just just to you know laugh about it, yeah, he'd be he'd, he'd be pretty good. But I'd be interested to see. Also, another underrated thing: Do you know that NCAA fourteen game? If you try to buy it on like Amazon, guess how much it costs? Did they just jack it up? Oh, it's like sixty five dollars to buy Jeez. it for like a PS two or a PS three. Well, don't it's buy it now baffling. because if you buy it now, all it's of a gonna, sudden it's gonna, it's be, gonna come yeah. out. Like they're gonna come two weeks later and say, "Oh, right. by the way, we're making the game." Like, yeah. congrats, you really all pushed us into a corner. There was one guy out there, I'm sure, that bought that game the day that NCAA said, "Hey, we're making a comeback." Maybe or that news leaked. Obviously, and they just they're just kicking themselves. Yeah. So that's a great game, though. I have some friends at home that like actually still oh, have that awesome. game from when it was uh, from when it was like actually made, and I'm like. Okay, I'm coming over because I only want to play this video game because it's incredible. So some people listening are probably saying, where's Tommy DeVito? I have not said his name yet. I had him at 86 right there with Aaron Service. So I guess I would put him in a tie for fifth or sixth kind of on the team in ratings. But he's hard to rank. And it, it'd be a luxury that I don't even know if obviously NCAA football didn't have this back in the day, that updated roster thing that now is going on with like the 2K and the Madden games because I think you'd have to start DeVito at 86 just based on the fact that he has not started a game for Syracuse. I think you could even start him lower. Right. I think he's maybe like an 83, 84. Yeah, he'd be like Abdul Adams, who I said was an 83 in this article. Yeah. You, you'd kind of monitor him and see how much you'd kind of go in knowing that he'd probably rise, but you can't put him much higher. And the other tough thing is I don't really know how they generate these numbers. Um, I've never been involved in the process. There are of this. guys that literally like go to games and like scout for Madden. Yeah. It's, it's actually like a real life, but job, I don't know which would be so much if, fun. Do you know if, like say a matting game obviously they break it down into like arm strength accuracy vision like for a quarterback specifically do they take all those numbers and then average it out or there must be it... some sort of like algorithm or formula yeah. or something that they put in and spit out the overall number because if you did that with devito i feel like the number would be way higher than 86 just because you'd go through and you'd say arm strength would have to be high you know deep ball long passing would have to be i'd high. say like his like his like some of some of the stupid stuff would hold him back though like sure i don't know like catchability or something stupid like you know like stuff that shouldn't be high for a quarterback but like his his leg numbers wouldn't be that good his running his break tackle his uh, elusiveness like all that would make like an experience rating or something like right i don't know the exact algorithm and the exact way it's put out but i'd probably start him and like i I, i'm like maybe a little bit more pessimistic than you are because i just remember like Guys, like, even, like, those upper echelon guys, because, first of all, in the old NCAA games, you could never actually tell who guys were unless you looked up their jersey number because it was always just, like, Reggie Bush was, like, HB number five. Like, obviously, that's Reggie Bush. But I don't remember even those upper echelon guys being rated all that high. So I think that some of these numbers could come down a little bit. I'd probably start him in, like, the... 83 84 range like that's pretty good yeah no i i kind of just based it all off schmidt's 95 because a i don't really right. remember the specifics but no you're I, right. I, no i know where you're coming these from. would be a little lower i think collectively but just to keep going down the list here chris frederick the defensive back i had him at 85 
I mean, he's kind of proven himself at this point as their number one option there right. in terms of he's going to see the number one receiver pretty much every single time. Evan Adams, I said the guard would be an 85. And then Sean Riley, I put it 84, which seems probably a little bit high. And I only put that because of his intangibles his in terms of punt returning. Yeah, he can I, I run. understand where you're coming from right. with that. And yeah. he's getting some all ACC stuff based on that. So I will I say, wouldn't... though, like his, his catch rating would be pretty low because yeah. he drops <laughs> a lot of passes. Yeah, the LSU one sticks out. Oh, boy. I, oh, I think – I think if you were just playing this game, and I listed the other wide receivers down here, Taj Harris, 82, Tristan Jackson, 82, another guy in that Adams-DeVito range. Right, because you haven't seen him really right, play. you got to start him a little bit lower. Yeah. And Nikeen Johnson, I said, would be an 81. I mean, all those guys would be right around the same rating, but I think you wouldn't be able to tell, oh, all right, Sean Riley's the number one guy based on that 84, you wouldn't pass to him more than the other guys. Right, it would just no. Be there's no, stand- there's no standout. The thing with the Syracuse wide receiving core is there's no, like, standout superstar. Like, yeah. he is going to be. But it's a good be, thing. Cause right, because they've got so much versatility and so much depth. I remember, like, in the in the 05 game, I'm pretty sure. I don't know who it was, like, in real life, but there was this Texas wide receiver, and there was a Texas, I think, mm, wasn't Vince Young, because that would have been too – too early sure? for Vince Young, but 05, because he was like... Well, I guess that's the 04 year. Yeah. I'm sure so, he was playing, but he was Yeah, I don't think he was the that starter. Was the national championship But like, year. yeah, but you literally just had to run a seam route and throw it up to this dude, and he made a catch every time. Every time for a touchdown. It was actually <laughs> incredible. I don't remember who it was, but there, there's no cheat code. I'm, my grander point with this whole Syracuse thing is there's no cheat code guy like that for right. Syracuse. I'm just getting nostalgic thinking about this game. The game is, un, is unbelievable. I don't even really it's remember the like what the plays were. Because in Madden, you know, everyone talks about the slip screen, the curls. Like There are specific plays that work, but in the college football game, I don't remember. like what, I know HB, It's been so long. HB counter in 08 <laughs> is unstoppable. If you have anybody that can get off tackle at your running back, position it's an unstoppable play run it every time and you will get at least 25 yards it's impressive so i mean just going through the rest of the ratings trail williams was an 83 he was pretty high up there as well i had evan foster 81 in the secondary and really the what what it stands out when you look at the collective units is the linebacking core is probably the weakest group and a lot oh, yeah. of that is what do we make of those freshmen? I didn't put them on here because kind of along the same lines. We literally have not seen them play. You can't single, really rank like, them. At least we've seen Tommy DeVito play. At least we've seen you know uh, Tristan Jackson. We can watch his highlights from Camping World and see his Michigan State stuff. But those kids you've actually never seen play. The one, the one thing that kind of scares me though is looking at safety. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little weird. Because there's not I, – I guess I never really thought, like – because I think defensive back is probably a strength right now for them because they've got Trill, they've got Ify Melifonu, they've got Chris Frederick. Scoop. Foster's pretty solid, though. He, right. He is Cisco. He is good, but, like, oh, Cisco. That's why I'm th- I'm looking at safety. Oh, yeah, thinking, I didn't – right. Because I totally – I'm, like, looking at it because you have yeah, safety. Yeah, they're pretty solid Foster, Nunn, Clark, uh, Devon Clark, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> no, no, Neil I didn't. Neil Nunn or, or Devon Cisco Clark is going to start, top, but I yeah. totally forgot Andre Cisco existed for a second. Right. Never mind. They're fine at safety. Don't fret, people. Don't worry about it. Well, if you disagree with any of those ratings, feel free to comment on, on the article at orangefizz.net. Take a quick break, and we'll wrap things up with Fizz Feedback on the other side. Keep it locked right here on Fizz Radio.
Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. That means it is time for Fizz Feedback. J.D. Rachi and Tim Leonard wrapping up the show for you, bringing you up to the 10 o'clock hour. And we had one Fizz Feedback this week, and I think it was a good one, Tim. We had, who would you like to see Syracuse play in the Big Ten ACC slash ACC Big Ten Challenge? However, they decide to brand it yeah. this year. I'm pretty sure it just it. switches every year. I can't remember what it was last year. Of course, Syracuse went to Columbus, picked up a pretty big win against Ohio State in last year's ACC Big Ten Challenge. So it's probably going to be a home game. Home game, but there's, like, rumors and, like, talk that it might be a back-to-back road year for some reason, which who Who the heck knows. I think think it's beneficial either way. You either get a chance to beat a good out-of-conference team on the road or you get a chance to have them at home. Like, I really don't think it matters all that much because it's either going to be an easier game or it's going to be a possibility to boost your resume, but we put three options out there and an other category. We had Iowa, who I think would be my choice just because Fran McCaffrey is just kind of fun. He's kind of <laughs> a crazy coach, um, so that would be a pretty interesting game. We've got Wisconsin, Michigan, and then other comment below. And far and away, people want to see them take on the Michigan Wolverines with 79% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, that no makes more sense. Central New York connection there. I mean, it's the most it's the most exciting team on that list, right? Do I think they're going to get Michigan? Probably not, but it's possible. In terms of other, what we had commented below, we had Michigan State and Penn State. Ed Kosoff at Kosoff Ed on Twitter. Hopefully, I'm saying your name correctly, Ed. He has Penn State, um, and then Ryan Files has says we've had Michigan State's number the past few times, and I always like Hughes sticking it to Izzo's crew. Well, I do think that's true, and I think Syracuse plays well against Michigan State, and that might just be recency bias. I just don't envision a top-tier Big Ten team going against Syracuse because, let's face it, right now Syracuse is a middle-tier ACC team, so they're going to be matched up against a middle-tier Big Ten team because at the end of the day, they want to produce the most interesting matchups. Yeah, and Penn State's very unlikely, I think. Because they could get them in the NIT season tip-off with Oklahoma State and Ole Miss at uh, Barclays Center earlier in the year. Those are the four teams at, at that tournament. So, And that's the other thing. It's kind of crowded in here, and the more we talk about home versus away, I feel like they really need a home game in this portion because you look at late November, and that's Wednesday the 27th of November is this NIT season tip-off, and then on Friday, if you win. I mean, I think regardless, they're playing a second-round game, obviously. Like, they lost this year, and they still played Oregon. Not the same tournament, but similar concept. So that's Friday, November 29th. You have two games away from the Carrier Dome then, we don't know exactly when this Big Ten ACC is, but it's usually late November, early December. Sometime after Thanksgiving, usually. Right. And so if you factor in that it's early December, you think about it from that lens. You've also got December 14th, a Saturday game at Georgetown, another road game. And there's going to be a likely an ACC, early ACC road game because we know Virginia's at home. So you'd imagine that second early ACC game would be on the road. So they kind of need a home game in the stretch, and they probably don't need a Michigan State or even a Michigan. They right. probably need a team they can beat because it's already got some decent teams with that could new, be top with 25 With the new teams. ACC kind of way of doing things with the ACC network and everything, uh, things change because you need some more winnable games because you've got early season conference right. games that are because Virginia's that hold be a lot. Loss, right, you think. You'd, you would figure considering <laughs> they're the national champions. Sure, they're losing, you know, their best player in DeAndre Hunter, but they're bringing they're bringing back. Quite a bit. I, I will say I also don't think it's going to be Wisconsin uh, just because they played them uh, 
what, three years ago they played them. So they played last year. It was Ohio State on the road. The year before that, Maryland at home. The year before that, on the road yeah, right. uh, against Wisconsin. You see Maryland again, but I don't know if they I don't come think back do to it, the Dome. Right. I don't think they do it in, like, Two like just two years apart. I think yeah. they kind of want to spread the wealth. I could see them playing a Minnesota team just because Bayheim yeah. versus Patino has some sort of something attached to it because of all the years uh, you know with Rick. That would of course be Richard, his son, um, up at Minnesota. So anything yeah. can happen with this ACC Big Ten challenge. But certainly with that, those ACC games coming a little bit earlier, not coming necessarily after the calendar flips over anymore, um, certainly changes things and changes the way you schedule. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, to see how Syracuse reacts to it. But we'll have all the coverage of basketball season, all the coverage of football season. It's going to be a fun couple of months here uh, at Orange Fizz. You can follow along with us at Orange Fizz on Twitter, at Orange Fizz on Facebook, orangefizz.net. If you didn't get to listen to the whole show and you're just catching us here at the end here on the Score 1260, you can go on to SoundCloud to catch the entire show. The show will be up in its entirety with Tim and I. You can also find it wherever you find podcasts on the iTube Podcast Center, all that kind of stuff. We're there all the time, whenever you want to listen, whenever you just need to get a little bit of a Syracuse (laughs) fix, whenever you need it, we'll be right there along with you. But that's going to take up our time for today's show. For Tim Leonard, I'm J.D. Rachi saying so long. We'll find you next week right here, 9 to 10, on the Score 1260.